if you have this need and greed for money, mm. money may come because you align yourself with something or whatever, but it will leave your it will leave you very quickly plus it will not bring you the abundance in your health your well in your relationships and in your happiness hey guys dr viv here and Welcome on Reset with Dr. Viv. Today I have got a special guest, Girl Can, on. And Girl Can is an author, she's an international speaker, a podcaster, she's a barrister and attorney. Um, she's an intuitive life coach, mother, and money mind expert, helping entrepreneurs break free from their limiting beliefs about money so that they can live a life of unlimited abundance. But before we get to, to talking to this amazing woman about how she does all of this, guys, if you have not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, what are you waiting for? Hit subscribe now. All links are in description. And if you're not already following me on Instagram, on Facebook, on you know Twitter, on LinkedIn, and all the guys like come on come on come on i love to connect so please 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 get following and let us connect right girl how are you doing thank you so much for being on today i am so excited to be here thank you so much for, uh, for having me as your guest i'm so excited to speak to you and your audience wow like so girl like tell me you're when I read your profile, I'm like, wow, wow, wow. How did you go from being a banking and finance lawyer to a money mindset expert? How did that happen? It's a great question. And it took a long time in the making. And I, things were happening in the background with I didn't realize at the time. So um, I think, as you know, I'm dyslexic. And I'm not just dyslexic, I'm severely dyslexic. This was an assessed because I've been an able student most of my life. And I went to state school, so they don't really bother with you in primary school. And um, I picked myself up and, and I did really well. This wasn't assessed until, until I was 18, 19 years in terms of my first year of law degree in Queen Mary University. So I, when I found out that I was um, when I found them dyslexic, not just dyslexic, severely dyslexic, my grades at the time, if, you, if you're familiar with the UK um, education system, I had five A-levels and most of them sciences and straight A's. So even the assessor was like shocked, like how did you get these grades? But I mean, I, I had worked really hard through hard work, but I didn't realize at the time that I didn't know any better. I did work really hard, but I didn't know any better. And had I not gone in to do a law degree, I don't think it would have been picked up as quickly as it was because you have so much case law to read and you know, so much writing to do. So that made me think, okay, so what is it that made me successful? So that led me down the path of psychology of success. And I will, you know, I got introduced to Tony Robbins and read his book, Awaken the Journey Within. And it led me down a rabbit hole. Like I kept going you know, up after one after the other. And while I was, you know, pursuing my legal career, I was, you know, finishing my degree and going to the bar, et cetera, et cetera. I was also studying, you know, psychology of success, what makes successful. And I you know, had the aspiration of becoming a millionaire by the time I was, before I was 30. I hit that at 27. And um, it's, I just, I just, I was doing this, but it wasn't anywhere along the lines that I was going to teach it. I was going to become a, 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 you know, like a speaker or it was far from my thoughts. I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to be a banking finance lawyer. I was earning a very lot of good money. It wasn't part of it. It's just the life choices I made along the way took me down a path, which 
it was just a natural progression. When I um, last in the story for another time, um, and if somebody wants to really listen to the whole detail, they can listen to the, on the episode one of my podcast, Money Mindset with Gokhan. But um, long story short, when I went, um, when I was staying home, I became a stay-at-home mother at one point in my life. That at that point, I was able to go in and look deeply into the energetic side of things. I've always been fascinated by you know, the supernatural and and uh, you know the, the things that got bumped in the night. But rather than going through you know, the ghost stories, I actually want to see what's across dimensional. We're gonna do it from a scientific point of view. I mean, I have done science A-levels and have a very logical um, brain. Um, so that's, that's when I started looking at that energetically and I became an intuitive life coach and I went in to do the EFT, emotional freedom technique, Reiki, and all of that. And again, not once was there any <laughs> thought in my mind that I was going to go and practice this. You know, it was, it, I even became a telephone psychic just to practice my skill, not to earn money. Okay? It's just what happened that when I, when I finally um, left my uh, husband at the time, uh, you know, because according to him cheating on me, I came to a crossroads when I had to make a decision of what I was going to do with my career. At that point, I'd been out of my legal profession for about 10 years. I had two young children and I do come from banking and finance. So if, you're, if you know any, anything about uh, the corporate law, you do crazy hours. So as a banking finance lawyer, as a single woman, that's not a problem. I, you know, I could do 60, 70 hours a week. I couldn't do that with two young children. Plus the idea of going back into the legal environment, just I changed so much by then by doing all this energy work and so forth that I was a different person. So it didn't appeal to me. And I decided that I was actually going to look into um, taking this on as a business. Now, when I tried to open this up in the business, and this is in 2016, because you know, I had separated by then, I had no financial way of making forward. I was still remember I was going through a divorce, I still had property, so I was still a millionaire. Um, but uh, it was just on paper, there's like no, no, you know, there was, <laughs> I was uh, you know, <laughs> I was cash poor and I couldn't sell my properties because we're going through a divorce, so that's a, a complicated issue that I had. And I found that I had a lot of money blocks, and that's when I went through this whole process. And I, oh my god did all the shame and embarrassment, humiliation come to surface? And so some of this, the contrast is a woman who was in her mid-20s working as a banking finance lawyer and as working for one of the top law firms of the world. As at one point I was working for Scadden Arts, which is a New York law firm, and I was working for them in London. I was making um, over six figures in, in, in dollar amounts. In UK terms, it was still about, I think, 80, 90K, which is a huge amount for a 25, 26-year-old, right? From someone like that, I ended up becoming a single mother to two kids. And for temporarily, while I applied for welfare, I, they did give me a welfare until they sort of assessed my thing. I was on welfare, so single mother on welfare. Can you see the contrast, right? Yeah. yeah. And so this is when I realized how important money is. And I had to go through everything I teach now, I had to go through now. So because one of the topics I teach quite extensively is toxic money. I realized how toxic my relationship with money had become and why I'm called a toxic money. It was because I had... Absolutely, I needed the money for my husband for other time and to survive. And I loathed it. I absolutely loathed money. I didn't need, I didn't want that money, but I needed to survive. So the more I needed it, the more angry I became with it and the more toxic the relationship, not with my partner, obviously that was toxic anyway, but with money. And this is what triggered me that I'm not the only one. There are so many other women in there, not just women, men and women, because I work with both men and women and people develop these awful relationships with money and they don't realize that they have a relationship with money because they don't, they don't give much importance to it. 
But because of that toxic relationship or because of that awful relationship, every other aspect of their life is impacted. Their health, their relationships, their career, their, their um, general well-being, and their ability to have the freedom, the mindset to be able to do whatever they want, which is including, you know, giving back to the community, being able to offer support, whatever. Mm. And I'm not saying you can't give support and do all these things, you know, without money, but money makes it a lot easier. Mm. And money makes the, your reach a lot further. With mm -hmm. mo without money, you can help one person with your hand, like, you know, physically help them. With money, you can help a hundred. That's the difference. And wow. it also changes what you think you're capable of and what you think, you know, the kind of, the way you start looking, okay, this is possible for me, that's possible for me. Not just in your money-wise, but in your, in terms of your health, you know, your, with your health, you know, you can lose weight, you can do this and that. It has a knock-on effect on every aspect of your life. It is for me. And this is why I became so passionate about teaching people about changing and how, uh, with the relationship with money and having a healthy relationship with money and not to have the greed and need, but to have a healthy friendship with money. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. You know, and I, and I think, you know, that's so, a lot of what you said there is, is so interesting and so powerful, like healthy relationship with yeah. money because Money is a, a thing. And, you know, there are many people, I mean, many of us have grown up with the, ah, you know, everything's not about money. But the truth about it is money has power. And, you know, we need money for different things. And I once heard someone say money is next to air. I see. I see. I say that. And I, I go, um, and Bob Proctor said that to me the first time. And I'm gonna, uh, he, he, he says it in his book, you know, You're Born Rich, that um, money is just as important as air. And I would go as further really and i would say money is more important than i and ask me why wow. um because when you die you don't need money but in this day and age when you die you still need a certain amount of money to be buried to have that funeral even a simple one that's why we have these you know these over 55s you know care plans and other rubbish you know that's come up on the tv all the time that if you're over 55 you know blah blah this will happen and i don't i don't think they're funny i think they're useful because people need to understand when they pass away that aspect the money is required they need to have that funeral if you want to have a funeral even a, a small size when it's going to cost four or five thousand pounds so you need money even for that so I'd say it with tongue in cheek, saying like money is more important than air, but honestly, it is at times. Mm, wow, wow. Honestly, like I take that line really stopped me about having a healthy relationship with absolutely. Money. absolutely. Money can be good, but money can be toxic. And it's about yeah. the sort of relationship that we, you know, we choose to have, you know, with it and we need to have with it. But before we get into the more of the money, I mean there's something you said about your I never know how to say this word. This dyslexic. Dyslexia. <laughs> I'm going to allow you to say it, dyslexic, right? Dick, yeah. Like I said it right, okay? Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you said you were dys dyslexic. <laughs> yeah. But you only found out when you're in law school and up until then you have had been acing it. I find that so amazing. Like, because many people think, oh, you know, with dyslexia, you may not be able to do this and you may not be able to do that. Like, how did you overcome that? How were you able to ace things all the way only to find out in law school and what was it about law school that brought that out great question well i i was dyslexic and that's that should have been even though this is in the mid 80s it was well, even dyslexia was well known even then it had become prominent even then i basically uh, wasn't even able to read 
and a, um, a, a full sentence in, you know, in the first year of high school. So for that, that's around 11, 12 years old. So up until that age, I wasn't able to read a full sentence. But instead of thinking that there's something wrong with me, I just assumed because of you know, my past, because my mom had moved around a lot after my father and my father separated and all the trauma that she was going through with my brother, somehow I was educated, you know, I was behind education. It was just that. I didn't think that there was, there could be something inherently wrong. And then throughout my life, I've just been making up for it. My GCSE grades are not as good, as good as my A-level grades. I have to say that. And my lowest grade in GCSE was, was English. I got double C. I got passed, but it was a double C. And I remember thinking at the time, thinking, you know, why, you know, why, why? And even though my, my coursework was like all A star, but I must have messed up so badly in the exam that I got a, a double C. Now, I didn't know any better, Vivian. Like, you know, I just studied. That's it. I already was studying. I did the same thing with law. And the thing, the only reason why I was picked up by, by, um, in, in the first year of law was because I was fortunate enough to be in the class of a teacher who, because I've always been articulate. I've always been, you know, one of the, you know, main uh, <laughs> head of my class, not, not to both people. So I just have been academically, uh, excelled academically very, very well. So my teacher knew my ability and she knew that I was a, a very powerful speaker and I, I was very articulate and I was um, intelligent and so forth, but it wasn't reflected on my work as much. And I gave her one piece of written homework. I think my, my you know, we had those hard disks, you know, years ago. Mm. I think something happened to that and I lost my work. So I had to give her handwritten work and all the signs were there of a dyslexic student. So she forced me to, because her daughter's dyslexic. And so she, that's how she picked it up because her daughter's dyslexic. She was, these are signs for dyslexia. She had to force me to go, because my assumption was, if you're dyslexic, you're stupid. I'm like, I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid, right? And she's like, woman, <laughs> what do you have to, what harm do you got? So I didn't even pay for it. She got the university to pay for my assessment, sent me off to for assessment. And that's when I realized I was severely dyslexic. By then I had, um, you know, five A-levels, chemistry, biology, maths, further maths and IT. And I had, because I, I struggled with English, I, ne I naturally diverted towards sciences. So I excelled in sciences, right. but I took on the law degree because I, I am articulate and I, you know, I thought you know, I, could, I could be a good yeah. public speaker and a, and a barrister is where I was aiming for. And I had all these qualities, but written wise is where I failed. And this was when I realized that I, you know, it was dyslexia, which was keeping me back. But I mean, I've never let dyslexia hold me back. I always see it as a gift. It allowed me, it still allowed me to excel more than my, co my, you know, my, my peers. They would read three cases and I would have read one or half. Okay. They would have read three chapters and I would be still in the first one. But the point was they would read three and forget all three. I'd read one and I would understand it. Wow. And I, and because I was able to, because the way, you know, dyslexia's brains are, we don't have, you know, information goes to one and goes to the other and comes out. That's how normal people operate. With dyslexia, information goes in and it jumps around. And that's why the numbers and letters jump around because it's information has jumped around from both left and right surface. So when, but with me, that allowed me to view the situation differently. So I would come up with different arguments. I would see things in different light. And that made me bright from a young age. Wow. And that's the gift I took forward. So when I came to law, when I came to do my law degree, I had already mastered, you know, how to handle and look at things differently. I was probably the one with the unique, um, you know, unique point of view. And I was, you know, and I had, <laughs> and I, had the, um, I think, I don't know where the confidence came from, but <laughs> I had confidence to be able to go and say those, you know, those opinions as well. And that helped me excel in my law degree. So dyslexia has never held me back. And I'm so glad that I didn't know that I was dyslexic when I was a child because 
I could have thought, you know, I can't do this because I'm dyslexic. I can't do this because I'm dyslexic. That was never an option. Yeah. And when you don't give yourself an option, it's, it's not an option. The failure isn't an option. You're going to try, you're going to try, you're going to try until you get there. That's when you know you're going to excel. And it doesn't matter what field it is. And you know, it's, you just touched there on the power of labels. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, because when you don't know, when you don't put a label to it, then you seem free. But the moment you begin to put labels on things, you suddenly begin to put limits on yourself. Uh, yeah, because yeah. you tap into that energy. Oh, I, I, I love what you just said. It's that exact label. When, you know, like I, I, I talk about this, this in my, my, you know, myself as well. I took on the label of being a single mother. And guess what we think? When we think of single mothers, we think those who struggle with time and finances or whatever else. So when I became a single mother, I became poor. Mm-hmm. And everything around me, even though I, you know, I'm supposed to be very wealthy, it became unattainable. And I was stuck in this time, in this place where I had no money, nothing to go. And I, I was struggling, literally at one point struggling to how I'm going to feed my kids because I'm not entitled to state benefits. And my, you know, my partner's not paying. What do I do? And it's that, that label because you adopt all the, all the, all the associated energies that goes with that label. And it's so wow. powerful. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it is. And we're going to come to the whole psychology of, you know, money in a bit and, you know, to give advice around, around money and what people can do. But, you know, there's something else also picked up from your story and it's so notable because what you had was a teacher who had experience of dyslexia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You had another teacher who did not understand the signs my mind begins to wonder what may and why I'm saying that is because a lot of times people are going through stuff yeah. and things are missed because people don't understand. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think if she hadn't pointed it out, it would have been a lot more difficult for me to complete that law degree. I wouldn't have the grade. I've got a very good law degree. And I think I would not have that because, because I was having to realize what causes those issues mm-hmm. and how to overcompensate for them. Plus I had extra time in, in exam time as well. I, I separately had extra time and um, to make sure I go through my work again, spell check and all that. And I think there was some leniency towards my handwriting because handwriting for dyslexics is absolutely atrocious. So I'm not sure if it is, but I'm assuming there was some sort because you know, my writing is barely legible. The points are valid, but barely legible. But if I if it wasn't for that, I think I, my law degree would be a lot different. I would struggle so much more. Plus, I'd, I'd be doubting myself more because I'm thinking because that's I think that's the first time I thought well, I've excelled everywhere. You know, I've got maths is like something I used to get like 99 percent. I like I wouldn't get anything less than 90 percent of maths. So I know I'm an incredibly intelligent woman. What's What's the issue here? Why can't I make this work? But I'm so glad. And I think that's divinely time, divine timing. Divine source energy knew that that's the time to tell me that this is the issue you have. You need to deal with it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And any sooner, it may would have made me complacent. Um, any later, then I may be, would have doubted myself. So that's why I believe in divine timing. It was just the right timing, the right person, and right situation. And, and I think this is a powerful um, point for, you know, people in the education sector, you know, even parents yeah. and um, yeah. even just people in general to understand these things that because, you know, you see someone doing something different doesn't mean that yeah. they're people, there may be something that you need to look out for. And so before people judge people or make decisions, 
it's what yeah. a question or, or you know educating educating oneself around it I'm, I'm thankful for your teacher I have to say I'm, I'm very I'm very I'm very, very much so and I agree I think but see this is the problem we all want to you know we all we all judge people by the same standards which is not the case somebody could be could, could excel in creative arts like I'm not an artist I'm creative but I'm not an artist I can't paint to save my life um, but on the other hand I, I'm not a singer either and I'm not a musician both my kids are I'm not but that doesn't make uh, you know me any less than them and this you know this is where I, I talk about you know the different the, in the self-worth and self-esteem um, issues which come in when you judge one person or one child based on their you know uh, comparing them to another child one child could be a fish and the other could be an elephant how can you compare the two compare the two yeah 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 noted like parents educators like everyone like people are different and we've got to I, I think when I hear your story as well, it makes me, you, 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 you know, you picked up on something as well about, you know, the benefits of the dyslexia. Sometimes yes. we, we don't want disabilities or we don't, you know, in quote, you know, we don't want to say, oh, we have this issue, but even understanding the strength that those things bring. Oh yeah. Valuable to us. Yeah. You know, and and I, you, you, you should own your your own your aspects of yourself. I don't see dyslexia as shameful as I, I initially found out. Thought, oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my God! What's wrong with me? And over the years, I processed that through to me thinking, no, that's a gift. So I own it. I I own it, and I say I'm dyslexic. So if you see plus spelling mistakes, don't bother. Don't worry about it. That's just me being me. And you know, I know I still don't know the difference between left and right and whatever. So I make a joke out of it, but I own it, and I'm proud to see. I am who I am and dyslexia is part of me. I'm not going to be ashamed about it because it makes me, if I'm ashamed about being dyslexic, I'm ashamed of being me. Mm, mm. Spot on, spot on. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. So when we come back to money now, yeah. Like tell me more about the psychology of success and how that, you know, um, impacts on, on money and our relationship with money. Well, it's it's a big topic, but I'm going to talk about it in the in the in the shortest form possible. The thing that that most people don't realize is we all have a relationship with everything, everything. Okay, whether you understand it or not, and this includes money. Okay, we all need to you know if our oh, base oh money is not important. Well, actually, you needed to pay the bills. You needed to pay buy food. You need to buy clothes. You need to buy you know if you've got a car for you know for the maintenance of the car and buying the car and petrol. Do you see what I mean? It's important in, in both basic elements of our life okay? mm. after that you know what is important is up to you how much money you want to, you need to be be comfortable is entirely it's very subjective for different people somebody a ferrari is comfortable somebody else and some micro is comfortable who you know who are we to judge but certain amount of money is required for everyone that means every single person needs to have a relationship with money every single person now if you negate that if you deny that then you're going to struggle with actually bringing the amount of money you want or need into your life and this is the case for most people because they deny that relationship, because they deny the existence of money, that money is not important and they don't give it enough respect, money doesn't show up or if it does, it goes out very quickly. And they're always trying to make you know, ends meet and then they can blame money. You know, money is the root of all evil, you know, rich people are bad, etc. Et they have this, they put all their frustration and anger on, on, on money and then they look for examples of people who have money, who are the, you know, who are the, different, who are the bad people, who are the, you know, the, the arrogant and egotistical and whatever else, right? Even though there are 
hundreds of million, hundreds of people who are millionaires now, because there's plenty of millionaires. Millionaires is very common now. There are hundreds of millionaires who are who do philanthropic work, who you know, who give and who are who are honest and generous and etc. Et All the good qualities you see in, in good people. But if you are angry and upset with money, you will go and look for examples to verify and to validate your opinion that money is bad. See, money is bad, and that's why it's made that man, that person bad. Whereas Unfortunately, it's the other way around. Money is neutral. Money is neutral all the time. It's neither good nor bad nor ugly. It's just, it is. It's just neutral energy. The person's energy will make it, you know, use the money in a good, bad or ugly way. That's their, that's their energy, not money's. And money, I, I will go further and say money's a magnifier. So Vivian, if you're a good person, if you have more money, it will magnify that aspect of you. If you're an evil person, it will magnify the aspect of you. But most people, if they don't have money, they're not able to show the true selves, like be the you know awful evil person they are. Mm-hmm. It's when they have the money, they think, well, now I've got money, I've got power, I can do whatever I want. And then they show the evil side. Conversely, if you're a good person, there's only so much good that you can do because you you have that nine to five. And you want to make sure that you you meet your needs and you're, you're getting the you know your your basic bread on the table. But if you have enough money and you're not worried about your mortgage, your bills, and so forth, then you're able to give your time and your money into causes that you know you feel good about. Be it children, be it animals, be it dolphins, be it churches. Who cares? Right? Whatever you know, whatever resonates with you. Then you use your money for those good causes. And guess what's happened? Money has allowed you to be the bigger, better version of who you originally were. Does that make sense? So it just magnifies exactly what's already inside of the individual. And unfortunately, when people have a negative relationship with money, they look for examples to say, see, money is bad. See, money did this. See, money is that. And they blame money, whereas poor money has nothing to do with it. And I do sound like I'm not getting money behind, but I am. I say I've been an advocate all my life. I am. I'm a lawyer. And now I feel like I'm an advocate for money. Wow. So what, what, what are three signs that you can say people should know for them to know that they have, they have a bad relationship with money? What are three, like even three signs or if it's one or two or whatever, just so that people have an idea and can know um, that they, they are right now having a bad relationship with money. That's a great question because I have a lot of people who've actually done, you know, who read all this Think and Grow Rich and other good, all these good books, and they're like, I have a great relationship with money, and I think money is, you know, money is really good. I always say that the first point to notice, money is a very clear cut. It doesn't give any roundabout convoluted signs. If you have enough, if you if you look in bank account, if you have more money left over than you have the expenses, expenses, and you've got savings and you've got money in your bank account, you have a decent relation with money. If you have a very healthy relation with money, you'll be wealthy. So wealthy, whatever the wealthy means for you. Okay. So it's very subjective. All these terms are very subjective. So I'm not going to give you any numbers on that. Yeah. And that's the first sign. Black and white. How much money is actually in your bank account right now? The second sign is. What do you normally see about money habitually? Um, you know, do you say, oh, money, you know what, money's not that important? Because you can think, no, I have a healthy relationship with money, but then you say, you negate it a couple of hours later by saying, oh, money's not really important. I'm more, I'm more interested in being happy. I'm more interested in giving. I'm not really interested in making money. I'm more interested in making sure that people are happy and people are, you know, why are you interested in making money? Why can't you do both? Why, why can't you make so much money, help people have a really luxury lifestyle, luxurious lifestyle, and help like half the population of the world by you know by whatever the hell you know giving them food or whatever the hell they, is that you need for them but enjoy money yourself why is it kind of you know if you have that notion that there's some sort of nobility in poverty and there's some sort of deformity or evilness being wealthy that's the second sign the third one 
is literally, what do you think of money generally? So not just, um, you know, no, no, no when someone like me is asking, so what do you think of money? Money means freedom. I, I ask this my challenge all the time. What do you think? Of, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of money? And people say, oh, I think of travel. I think of freedom. I think of, you know, um, abundance and wealth. And, and I'm like, excuse me, that's BS, right? That's not true. That's absolutely not true. Uh, if that was, that would be in the case that you show up in black and white in your bank account. Money's just like that. You show up. So that's what you want to think. What an actual fact you think when you think of money, and you don't just think of money just once, you think of money multiple times throughout the time, throughout the, throughout the hour actually, every single hour, throughout um, 24 hours a day, even when you're sleeping by the way. Because when you think of money, you're thinking of your credit card bills, you're thinking of your mortgage, you're thinking of your rent, you're thinking of all the things where money's gonna go out, and you're thinking, do I have enough to cover all my expenses? Do I have enough to make sure we've got, I make this commitment? Do I have enough for that holiday that I'm planning? You know, will I be able to save enough for that? Will I have enough, etc.? Do you see? Will I have enough? You're always questioning that. And if you're questioning, will I have enough? You haven't built that trust relationship with money to know whatever you need, money's gonna show up for it. Wow. And so what, so if people are in those buckets, what two or three things can people do to change their energy relationship with money? I'm going to tell one thing that they can do. Okay. okay. And this is such a powerful tool. And I teach this all the time. I want them to become best friends with money. And this is how I want to do that. Okay. Because you know what Vivian, seeing you, if you and I were best friends, if you come, if I come to you say, Vivian, please come to me, please, 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 Vivian, I really need you, Vivian. You may come once and think it's very cute. Like, oh, she's, you know, who's being very cute. Let's, you know, she needs me. That's so funny. But if I'm doing this regularly, you'll, be, you'll get tired and you start making excuses and you try and pull away as much as possible because you feel what suffocated. If on the other hand, conversely, I say, Vivian, girl, how are you? Let's, let's meet up for a chat. Let's go and have a cup of coffee, whatever, whatever. You think, you know, you, we get together, we have fun, we have amazing time together. But then it's, when it's time for you to leave, I'm a bit sad, like, oh, you're going. But I know that we're going to meet again next week or, or, or whenever it is even if you haven't planned something, but I know we're meeting here. You're my best friend. And if you know that I'm in trouble, you're going to turn up before I even know I need it. So you're always going to be my side. You're always going to have my back. You know what? Because you're my best friend. Do you see that? Mm. Now we want that kind of relationship with money. So we, when you have this greed and need for money, money pulls away naturally. It's going to, okay? Okay. Like anything else, we, you know, something we haven't got time to go into, but just take my word for it that everything's energy, including money. And so you are, there's not, there's not much difference between you, Vivian, and, and the energy of money. Okay? It's just energy. It's just you have a spirit and mind, you know, which makes you special. Whereas money is just neutral. It doesn't have a mind of its own, right? But it's energy. So energetically, you know, you either repel money or attract money. Now, if you have this need and greed for money, money may come because you align yourself with something or whatever, but it will leave your it, it will leave you very quickly. Plus, it will not bring you the abundance in your health, your well, in your relationships, and in your happiness. On the other hand, if you build a very strong and positive relationship with money and become friends with money, you'll start building the trust that, you know, money has the ebb and flow. Money, money has to go, come and go. Money's coming, but money's going. And you'll allow money to go happily where it needs to go, knowing very well that sooner or later it's going to come back and it's going to be back in your life. So you're going to have money again. And the best way to do that is to create a money avatar. Now, it's like, I don't know about you, but it's very difficult for when I, when I started. The reason why this money avatar was born was because I could not, I knew I had to become best friends with money. I could not be best friends with a piece of paper. I just cannot. Right? I know, um, you know, consciously, uh, the energetically, it's, it's energy and I'm energy and we're the same. But I couldn't, I couldn't have any feelings or emotions for a piece of paper or mm. coins. I just can't. Right. So. 
and I, I remember one of the girls saying, hold piece of paper, you know, hold money and just give love money. And I'm thinking, I can't do that. That's mean, I just feel really weird doing that. So this is where the idea of having a money avatar was born, where you personify money. And when people say, well, how do I know what my money is? I said, okay, fine. Well, if you, had, if you could have your best friend, what would your best friend look like? He or she, right? Um, okay, so would it be tall, short? What, what ethnic background would it be? Uh, what hair color would they have? What eye color would they have? What would they be in their name? Right? So this is the ideal friend. I, just, I don't care if they're, they're from Timbuktu or from Spain or from Japan or from um, Azerbaijan. I don't care. It's your best friend. So you decide, right? So you have this perfect image of who this um, best friend would be or is, right? Now, guess what? That's your money avatar. Speak to him or her. And that's slowly, slowly you build a relationship. Now, when you speak to this money avatar of yours, this personification of money, and you give them names, for example, mine's Michelle. When I speak to Michelle, it's like having a conversation with my best friend. And I know she's going to come back. So if any time I, I feel like I'm, I'm not having a good day with money or I'm worried about a certain thing or whatever, I'll go and have a conversation with Michelle. And I imagine just saying, you know, saying what's, what are you worried about? There's, there, everything's going to work out fine. You know, if you need my help, I'll turn up. Don't worry. But, you know, you're, you're good. Do you see how quickly we went from having the need and greed and, you know, like the, the scarcity mindset to, you know, what? money is my friend. It'll turn up. But I'm not needing money. I'm not greedy for money. I'm not going to take money from you because just to have it. I'm going to allow money to come to me with ease and grace and its own time and do so so that it makes me happy and she's happy or, you know, he or she, whatever your money yeah, is. And and it creates an abundance in all areas of my life because when you meet your best friend, not only are you happy in your you know, in that moment of time, it has a knock-on effect on your health, on your mindset, on your prosperity, and your, you know, your, your overall confidence in who you are. Can you see how powerful this small concept, yeah, this one thing yeah, that you can wow. do, has in all areas of your life? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, this is all new to me, and I feel like, you know, we could go on and on because I have so many questions about this, you know, but I'm going to be conscious of, you know, of time as well. This is really, really intriguing. So if people wanted to know more, if they wanted to connect with you, where, where could people go to connect with you? Great question. So I have my own podcast, which hopefully Vivian, you'll be coming on at some point so we can, you know, have you, have you as a guest as well. Oh, oh. So, so we literally recently launched it. Uh, so it's called Money Mindset with Golkan. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere. It's literally everywhere, everywhere. And we have a website for that too, which is called Money Mindset with Golkan. Exactly that, those words. Mm-hmm. But I also have my main website with my blog, and that is gulkan.com, which is www.gulkan.com. And I'm over all social media, you know, in uh, Facebook with the Gulkan, and then everywhere else it's Money Mindset with Gulkan as my as my um, as my handle. Handle right. Thanks, thanks, Gul. And and guys, like all the like you know her links will all be in um, the description as well, so people can freely connect with her. Before we go as well, yeah, we are in. in we've been in interesting times. Um, yes. You know the pandemic. Yeah. You know, people have found themselves in funny places, especially with money. Some people started this year with no debt and now they've ended up with debts. People are trying to, you know, make, find a way through this mess. And as we all try to build back, what is one advice you will give people to sort of get out of debt and start saving? That's another great question, Vivian. So I'm going to go back to this advice of building this relationship with money. Because what's happened is when this pandemic happened, there was so much fear mongering going on, especially in the media. I don't watch the news. I haven't for years. Um, but I know there was so much fear mongering going on, not just in your, in your, in your, in nationally, in your country, but 
globally because every country was going through the same freaking thing. So most people bought into the fear and didn't lean into it faith. And I can remember, I remember talking about this quite in the beginning times that you need to lean into faith and move away from fear. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, when you, when you're leaning into fear, what you're doing is you're, you're taking on everyone's energy. And the more people are worried about business are going down, people are losing jobs, uh, people don't have money. The more you buy into that concept, which people did globally, mm-hmm. the more it's going to show up for you energetically in your and physically in your life. So those people who did not have debt, but bought into the idea, idea you remember you have to accept it you have to buy into the idea but the more it's repeated the easier it is for you to accept it so people this is repeated again and again and again job losses and whatever else or if you even pick up a newspaper or look at hear the radio or something imagine all, the, all this rubbish is going through it because they bought into the idea negative idea of money's not around and money's this and you know people are losing jobs or whatever whatever it's even more important to develop their relationship with money by having this money avatar so that they become aware that there are opportunities everywhere at any given point in time even if this pandemic wasn't around certain industries work well we know this from the economic cycle like now i didn't i didn't do economics but obviously this is basic economics everybody knows this right um certain industries do well others don't it's 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 uh, it's you know that's you know what the history tells us so I have, I've had clients and I, you know, all my clients touch would have actually done really well in this time because they've, what they've done because their mindset was correct. They just left one industry and gone to another. So a lot of them, the two or three of them were in industry and the travel industry, they, they saw opportunity in the food, they shifted to food, right? Another one of my clients, she was, she has a franchise and she's in the UK with a, a travel agency. She has a franchise for that. She, you know, was, uh, she was really worried. She prayed and because she had a faith and the mindset that you know, money will turn up and money will show up. She wanted to you know, make money. At the same time, she wanted to help the NHS. Lo and behold, I think a week after we discussed this out loud and I said, go and do, you know, just go off the universe and go and speak to your money and see how money can come to you easily and effortlessly. And um, she didn't mention to me that she wanted to help the NHS. It's only when the opportunity came, she said, look, oh, this has happened. Her, the, her head company got in, you know, had a, the, the, I think arranged a contract with NHS where all of those people who had that, that, that particular franchise, they were in a new contract going to work for the NHS in a particular way. And the NHS was going to pay the company and the company was going to pay them so that they are not without money over the last next three months. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? So not only did she manifest money, but she manifested doing something that she wanted to do, which was to help the NHS. She originally thought she would volunteer for the NHS and you know do the, do the work, but she was able to do both combined together. That is the power of having the right energy and mindset around money. If you have your energy sorted with money, money will show up regardless of circumstances. On the other hand, if your relationship is messed up with money, you can go bankrupt and go belly up in the best of times. Yeah. Okay. Well. Guys, it's been amazing having Gaul. Gaul, thank you so much for your insights. Um, again, all her links are in the description. Guys, I hope you found this informative, you know, and helpful as we all begin to like, you know, well, as we all bounce back and move, you know, move, um, move forward um, through 2020. It's been amazing having you, Gaul. And, you know, thank you everyone for listening in. Again, if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, if you haven't subscribed to my podcast, all links are in the description, guys. Come on, get downloading, get subscribing. If you have not connected with me on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, sorry, on um, Twitter, on LinkedIn, what are you waiting for? Let's connect. Until next time on Reset with Dr. Viv, there'll be in the next episode. 
Take care, stay well, and God bless. Thank you.